0: You only get one shot at retirement, so you better get it right. That's why we're here to help you with income planning, investment planning, and making sure you're taking advantage of advanced tax planning. Eliminate the financial worries of tomorrow and retire with certainty today by listening to Phil Putney of AFS Wealth Management. This is the podcast for you if you need to eliminate lots of question marks that surround your current financial plan. Welcome to Phil's Tax Hacks and Other Retirement Facts.
1: It's time for another edition of the podcast. Thanks for hanging out with Phil and I as we talk about Phil's tax hacks and other retirement facts. Phil, my friend, how are you this week? What's going on?
0: I'm doing great. Looking forward to having a little R&R time with the family over the, uh, the Thanksgiving holidays. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This is um, This is actually going to be our December 5th show But the time of this taping. We're taping it just before Thanksgiving. So yep. happy Thanksgiving to you, sir.
0: You too. Uh, you too. You. You got anything you. special planned? Uh, the the do-
1: now nah, the kid will be home from the navy. She's got. A, uh, she's down in Charleston, so she's got uh, a few days off, and so she's bringing a couple of her sailor girlfriends with her who uh, can't get home to California for the holiday. So they're going to have Thanksgiving oh, with nice. us. So yeah, so that'll be interesting and be fun. You got the grandkids coming over? Oh, yeah. Yep.
0: Good. Everyone coming our way. So it's always always a good time. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. Everybody comes to our house, too. So I'm with you there. Well, hopefully our listeners enjoy themselves or enjoyed, I guess. You probably time they're hearing this. It's after Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving, listeners. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully you guys. Yeah, believe it. Hopefully, you guys uh, didn't get too fat and didn't uh, didn't have to. Although stretchy pants are good this time of year. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Can't go wrong with stretchy pants. All right, so let's get into a little bit uh, real quick. uh, uh, The impeachment stuff, you know, obviously on and on and on. I don't really want to get into the political side. I just wanted to see, you know, any any market effects. I mean, so far it doesn't seem to be any long term. You think maybe?
0: Yeah, I mean, it really hasn't uh, recently. You know, in My view of, of this all the time. Obviously, this isn't the first time we've been through something like this. We've we've had impeachments and that whole process before. Clinton and Nixon. And to yeah. me, this mm-hmm. is just political chatter. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, yeah, it's gonna it could create some volatility. Long term effects, probably not. You know, which again comes back to making sure you have a plan to really understand what's going on, and you know, you are going to have some volatility, whether it's from impeachments or you know any other type of news that you hear out there that causes the market uncertainty and some volatility right but how does that build into your long-term plan don't make harsh decisions based on some short-term reaction to news that's happening
1: yeah, you know, I, I agree with you. I think, I can't remember exactly, but I think his, if you went back and looked at the Clinton situation, I think the markets were fine. I don't think anything major happened around that with him. And Nixon, I don't know.
0: I don't recall that at all. But Yeah, uh, I remember back then. But yeah, it's, it typically is the case with political things. I mean, it's, you know. Yeah made a lot of great headlines and, and stories, but that's about it. it right. Might cause some uncertainty in the market for a short period of time until yeah. things get leveled out. But yeah, yeah. at the time, of this, look, you look at it five years down the road and, and no one will remember and from a right. market standpoint, at least. Yeah, that's you know, true. So.
1: And at the time of this podcast tipping, it's over 28,000, which I mean, it seems like every other day it's an all time high. It, it goes yep. up. It's over that 28. It broke
0: through that, that ceiling mm-hmm. and.
1: And then it goes down to 27, you know, eight, Then it goes back to 28, one, then down to 27, nine. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's going to continue on. So, yeah, don't get too wrapped up in that, I think, folks. But just was curious as your thoughts on that. All right. Yep. Well, let's get into our, our main topic this week here, Phil. And that is uh, let's talk about some estate planning. Issues and now you know. I know that can maybe sound a little gloomy at this time of year. Thinking, well, it means that you're you know you're past or something, but not necessarily. Let's just talk about how to avoid a couple of mistake areas when it comes to estate planning, just so you know you don't have any any gaps in that situation. Sure. Um, Okay. So let's talk about, you know, just the expenses that can be foreseen, you know, for example. So failing to plan for basically healthcare is what I'm kinda of getting at here is that when you're planning your retirement income, well I think a lot of us think about just budgeting monthly like the regular stuff we can see, the
0: electric bill and yada yada yada, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean there is a component of that in healthcare. Obviously you go off your insurance. Most yeah. of the time off your yeah, your company insurance as you retire. Very few companies are offering the retiree medical anymore. You know, so now you're on a Medicare, Medicare supplement, or some combination of that with an Advantage plan, or whatever it is, you know, there's a lot of options out there. So, um, but that's a very budgetable item, you know, much like your, uh, any other healthcare you had, and just understand the pros and cons that to me, the bigger risk here is the whole need for potentially long-term care, you know, some extended period of time that isn't covered by any of those cares. I mean, that's one of the big misconceptions is, well, yeah, Medicare has got that covered and they really do not. Right. That's not what it's intended for. So, I mean, personally, when we're putting together plans for clients and and helping them through this process, we plan as though that doesn't happen and make sure everything works out well there. But then we always stress test it. We call and say, okay, what happens if, you know, if if either spouse were to need some kind of care for an extended period of time um, at the end of their life, what does that look like? Does the plan still work? Is it viable? And if not, maybe it's time to look at some kind of outside coverage.
1: No, I think that's a good idea, and you want to avoid, again, you know, just overlooking things that we know we shouldn't overlook. And obviously, healthcare is going to be a big one into retirement. And so we're talking about some estate planning mistakes here moving forward. So let's talk about the beneficiary designations. That's a tongue twister. Failing to update them, and I, I don't know that this is something that people think about very often because it's kind of like a set and forget it. A lot of times, you think, well, how many times are going to have big changes in your life, but you should do this at least, what, check it every couple of years, maybe?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we, we tell our clients if there's ever a life-changing event, you need to look at it. But even beyond that, I mean, we're, we're reviewing beneficiary designations with clients on a continual basis just to make sure, hey, this is what we got going to file. Is that still correct? I mean, the reality is if there is an account that has a beneficiary designation, it doesn't matter what your wills or trust or anything else say, that beneficiary form overrules everything for that account. You know, so if, right. uh, if you ever looking for some interesting reading, too, just think? looking at, look up some beneficiary form fails. And I mean, there's all sorts of just horror stories out there of, you know, people that had been divorced and remarried and yet forgot to change the beneficiary on their 401k or whatever it happens to be. And it goes to the X or something. I mean, it's just in, there's nothing you can do wasn't intended might have even, even been specified in you know that divorce decree that it didn't happen that way but if you didn't change the form the courts are not going to change it.
1: Yeah, so, and I think Phil, a lot of times people don't realize that that Trump's wills and all sorts of
0: stuff too. Everything. Beneficiary yeah. form is the It's the be all rule. I mean that <laughs> that is what gets followed. It does not matter what you say. Right. Unless obviously you name the trust or something like that, then the trust does. But that gets into a whole nother whole nother topic of Should you be naming your trust as a beneficiary? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe you've got that
1: ex son-in-law that you no longer want on there, you know, just, you know, make sure you take him off of there.
0: (laughs) Yep, And that's, that's why it's important to, you know, just look at these at least once a year. I mean, we, we do that with clients to make sure, okay, this is what we have. Is that still correct? Has anything changed? So, yep, always got to look at that.
1: Yeah, to all of us son-in-laws out there, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) But but it is true, though. So, yeah, just making sure that you are updating those beneficiary designations. It's a good idea. You know, I guess a lot of people probably say an annual basis is not the worst idea. I mean, it takes 30 seconds probably if nothing's really changed to just say everything good here, yada, yada. You know, so just a good idea to run through that. And, of course, like Phil said, don't forget that it applies to not just things like life insurance policies, but 401ks and IRAs and stuff as well. All right. Right. Another step to avoid some estate planning mistakes is failing to take steps to avoid conflict uh, and possible litigation amongst the family and heirs. And this is where Phil, you know, I'm going to lean on you to kind of share some stuff with us because. I don't know if that's just like movie stuff. Like if we just get so wrapped up in thinking, Oh, when a will's read or whatever, and the family gets together and they read it and then, you know, everybody starts fighting about who gets what or whatever. But what are some steps we can take to maybe avoid that kind of thought?
0: You know, and I mean, this isn't movie stuff. I've, I've seen it, unfortunately really? okay. with clients and it's, um, I mean, it's, it's sad, you know, cause that's when a family should be coming together to grieve the loss of, of a loved one. And yet now they're fighting over who gets the, you know, whatever collection or whatever it happens to be, just some silly stuff that really in the long-term doesn't mean anything. You know, so my recommendation with that is always make sure if, if there are specific things that you want to have happen, make sure that you've laid that out very specifically to everyone. And I mean, if you're at that later stage of life and those are items you really don't need, maybe give them away right now. If you want, you know, a certain item of jewelry or whatever it happens to be to go to Hmm, okay, you know, family members, then go ahead and give it away. Now, you know, that way it's not a conflict later, but at least make sure it's very well specified exactly who gets what and why, you know, or why, if you want to, but you know, so that that the unfortunate person, I said, the unfortunate person, but the, the person that's left to administer the estate, because um, they're the ones that has to deal with the then. Yeah. and, they're, uh, and- they're, they're bearing the brunt of everyone's dislike of, of the, the process <laughs> because they're, having to administer it and follow whatever the will says or so.
1: Yeah, no, and it can be unfortunate. And I think, you know, communication can go a long way. But sadly, you know, to your point, sometimes when somebody passes, all that kind of can go out the window, you know, if people are just, you know, looking to go that route. So, if you can take those steps, you know, do the best you can, have those communications, have some documents in place, and really, you know, try to, you know, I think that's a good idea, as Phil mentioned, if you know that there's an item of, that's going to be of conflict, maybe handle it, you know, hopefully before you pass. I know we can't always guarantee what that's going to be, but,
0: you know. (laughs) I've had had, um, families do some really interesting things. I remember there was one that how the the executor of that uh, estate handled it was they held kind of like a, a family auction with fake money, so to speak, where they you know everyone had <laughs> five thousand dollars, whatever it was, ten thousand dollars to spend, so to speak, and you basically bid on different items, you know, and if this is something you really wanted, then you bid more on that than your siblings, and so I mean it kind of fun. Interesting. You know, yeah, yeah, it is interesting. Um, yeah. you know, it's just an interesting way to approach it. But there's yeah. there's a lot of ideas. I mean, the the biggest thing is just you know try to make sure you look at it in in the light of the big picture. I mean, it's not worth ruining relationships over just yeah, no, silly stuff that's yeah. not going to be remembered maybe in another five years. Yeah.
1: So. Yeah, I agree. Interesting idea though, for sure. Well, we're talking about estate planning mistakes. Two more. We'll hit these real quick don't make the mistake of transferring real estate while still living instead of at death. Give us a couple of reasons why that might be a mistake.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, with that, you know, you've got to be careful of, of even like joint ownership. I mean, a lot of times I'll see, you know, people wanting to to put maybe a, a child on the house thinking what's well, a way of helping to avoid probate or somebody else even, but you've got to be careful with that because now you're technically giving them or gifted them that asset. So, I mean, if they're some liability comes out of their life, you know, whether they've been involved in an accident or whatever it happens to be or bankruptcy, your house is now part of their assets, you know, so you've got to be really careful with doing that. Plus, just with the, the whole Medicaid type of planning, I mean, the rules are continually changing on that. And, you know, the states are, are looking for ways to recoup money that they're having to pay by people transitioning and moving money, so I mean, if, and assets, you know, if you're trying to, avoid that make sure you're you're working with a good elder law attorney that understands the rules I mean a law that works because it it can be a nightmare in the end and you might not have accomplished what you think you did so yeah okay
1: all right so good point there to consider you know when you're talking about maybe trying to transfer that out and isn't there like a look back period as well too for some things? yeah
0: you get into the medicaid i mean it's yeah. if you're transferring assets right now there's this 5 year look back but i was recently at a conference on on long term care and some of the changes that are happening there and the attorneys that were at that, the the elder law attorneys, their view on this is they think, all that's going to go away Mm. where Mm. there's not going to be just a five-year. They're going to be able to go back and capture assets longer than that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, there's a lot of people trying to do this and Medicaid is (laughs) is a (laughs) state-funded program and states don't have unlimited funds. No. I mean, you're pushing that liability off to the state. And at some point, they're going to run out of money. They need to be able to, to get this. So,
1: Well, people find loopholes and then uh, powers that be uh, eventually close those loopholes. So, yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, and
0: that's kind of the, the process we go through. Yep. So.
1: It's, it's been that way forever. <laughs> I don't think it's going to change. <laughs>
0: that's right. Nope. Nope.
1: Uh, all right. Final one here, Phil. And that's just when it comes to your estate, let's just don't forget to consider the tax implications of it. Obviously, I think most of us hope to leave something behind as tax efficient as possible.
0: Yeah, and that's, again, probably one of the most overlooked pieces, not only in, in retirement planning, but in the estate side of it as well, is understanding the taxes. In, I mean, the estate tax, for all intents and purposes, is almost gone. I mean, the, the level that they have it today doesn't affect very many people, but that's the estate tax, and there's still an estate income tax, you know, or income taxes that a beneficiary is going to have to pay on items like IRAs. Um, like annuities, you know, so you've got to be really careful and conscious of how this plays out. Um, I just briefly referenced before, maybe not you're naming a trust as a beneficiary on one of those type of accounts isn't a good idea. Main reason I say that is you've got to be really careful on how it's structured to if it's going to qualify that IRA then for a stretch. Um, and if it's not set up the right way, that beneficiary, if it's getting, they're getting that IRA through a trust. All of a sudden, they've lost the ability to, to stretch that out over their lifetime, and they might be forced to take everything in five to 10 years. And if it's left inside a trust or an estate, the tax rates, they reach the peak at a very small amount of income. So you've got to be really, really careful on the tax side. Well,
1: good information here today on the podcast. We'll keep this at a consumable bite-sized 15 minutes. I think that's pretty respectable. We try to keep these short and sweet so you have a chance to learn something useful and extract a good nugget or two. So again, if you're coming up on the estate planning issues and something that's rolling around, you're being there, and you want to avoid some critical estate planning mistakes, check out this podcast or share it with someone who, again, may benefit from it. And of course, you can do so a couple of different ways. Go to Apple or Google or Spotify and subscribe to Phil's Tax Hacks and other retirement facts. Uh, You can just search it out. Or you can go to Phil's website, afswealthmgt.com. That's afswealthmgt.com. That's for AFS Wealth Management, Phil's company there. And you can check out his homepage. You can check out his uh, website there. You'll see the podcast side. You can link on that and subscribe to the show. And if you have any questions, Phil is a CPA and a personal finance specialist. Before you take any action, always check with a qualified professional like Phil. You can call him at 248 888-7530. It's 248-888-7530 here in the Metro Detroit area. And Phil, my friend, you have yourself a great week and I will talk to you soon. You too, Mark. Appreciate your time as always on Phil's Tax Hacks and other retirement facts with Phil Putney.